Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the January 5, 2023 session, focusing on Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Salt, light, and laughter. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm Burt Montgomery. Okay, so I don't know why, but, you know, food comes to mind at weird times during the day. Okay, most of the time during the day, <laughs> food, food is somewhere on my mind. And, you know, I know for me, I have things I like to cook, and sometimes they turn out okay. So I'm curious, if, if you found yourself in a cooking competition where, you know, you could make anything, it's not restricted, but it's something that you know how to cook already, what would you choose to make? I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't cook, so, you know. <laughs> Papa, I know how to do a good frozen pizza because you can you can screw up a frozen pizza. There's a way to do it. Okay, and and I know how to do that. So you have technique. You know how to screw it up. Yeah, <laughs> I know how to do it right because I have screwed it up so many times. You gotta you gotta preheat that pan ah. with the oven. Yes. So when you put the frozen pizza on the pan, it's hot. It's uh -huh. ready to mm -hmm. go. Or just leave the pan crust. out, but that yeah. could get a little messy. But yeah, yeah. See, he's got technique. There you go. Okay. So if I were in a cooking, I cooking is not my love language. Like it's not. I cook because I have to because I have tiny humans to feed, <laughs> um, and they get real difficult if I don't feed them. So, but if I were going to cook for a cooking competition, I would cook my dad's chili. Oh, in part because I one time won a chili competition with it. <laughs> ah, so how spicy is it? Um, well, when I'm cooking at home for the kids, it's not spicy. But when I'm cooking for a competition, okay. yeah, we kick the heat up a little bit. Yeah. Mm. yeah, make them feel it. And I got my special <laughs> ingredient I put in. Mm. What is that? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, well, no. well, now we have to know. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you because it's not really a secret. Um, I don't put beer in my chili. I put white wine in it. Oh, well. Hmm. You cook all the alcohol out. You put it in the base. Yeah. yeah. And it just gives it a little, it makes it a little bougie. Mm -hmm. okay. There you go. Okay. See, I, I was going to say, I've got, I don't know which I would, you know, put in a competition, but there's several things I love to make. And it's typically, you know, what, each of the ladies in my life, my wife and my two daughters like, and Ella loves, I was telling y'all a peach cobbler. And if you've never had, it's not so great for making cobbler, but um, you asked before, before we started recording, what was my favorite peach? I, I'd like to amend that. If you've ever had a donut peach, it's really something incredible. You can, you can Google it and check it out. They are, they are delightful. Tonight, I'm going to be making a chicken pot pie for, um, it's a little, little cool here in Virginia. That's a good winter oh, dish. Um, I don't know, you know, a Ashley keeps on me to, um, my younger daughter, she wants me to, to learn to do, uh, make my own pasta because she's a pasta lover. Wow. I, I haven't started that yet. Okay. I might want to try that. I've heard that's, we'll, we'll change the game. Mm -hmm. Fun, fun. Well, you know, I like to smoke meats. <laughs> And so I would probably, not that I could, I mean, I don't think I could even compete in an actual ribs cooking contest, I but bet you could. I would make my ribs and, uh, yeah. you know, the St. Louis style 
pork ribs and oh my goodness <laughs> they're I, I think they're tasty and i haven't had people turn them down so it's and it's also fun to make you know <laughs> you know we could make all of these things at our faith element retreat <laughs> we could we'd have a full menu wouldn't we we would <laughs> I, we can make peach barbecue glaze for those ribs <laughs> as long as your peaches come from georgia oh oh so I, I want to ask about these these donut peaches. <laughs> they're yeah. from California. I just looked them up. I was wondering if they were important to him because they're glazed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, my. Well. It's probably time to punt to Bert. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. <laughs> oh, we have a familiar uh, set of verses today, covers some ground, uh, thus our titles, Salt, Light, and Laughter, and Bert. Uh, I'm not sure which one you'll start with, but I'm eager to hear where you go. <laughs> well, let's start with laughter, because we've been okay. doing some of that. <laughs> okay. My question is pretty easy, um, although odd. Have you ever laughed at a funeral visitation? Have you ever laughed at a funeral service? Mm-hmm. Now, mm -hmm. there are some funerals, obviously, that are very tragic and very painful, and everyone gathered uh, is just deeply torn and very reverent, and that's appropriate. But generally speaking, in just general funerals in, in, in uh, passing, when, once family members and friends begin sharing their stories of the deceased with one another, sooner or later, the tears are going to give way to laughter. And in some cases, uncontrollable hysterics. Laughter can be grace. Jesus says we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world. Laughter, I believe, is part of what makes us so. Fans of the classic Mary Tyler Moore show will recall, it, well, you know, with all the streaming channels out there, there's no excuse why anybody shouldn't be a fan of the classic Mary Tyler Moore show. But anyway, fans of the Mary Tyler Moore show will all tell you that one of the most hilarious episodes of the many absolutely hilarious episodes is the one in which Chuckles the Clown dies. Now, it doesn't happen on screen, of course. And I know that you clown haters out there will be wish you could have seen it. But it's just all talked about in the newsroom, which is the setting of the show. The death happens off screen. Chuckles the Clown, who, who had the famous catchphrase, a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down your pants. He was marching in a circus parade dressed as one of his popular characters, Peter Peanut, when a rogue elephant grabbed him and tried to shell him. Now, they're at the funeral service. Everybody on the TV show, all the characters at the funeral service. And the news director, Lou Grant, looks around at all the guests who have gathered there and asks, uh, which one, I wonder which ones are the other clowns? And Mary, the news writer, replies, oh, we'll know soon enough because they're all going to jump out of the little hearse. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so <sighs> back to the text. While for many of us today, our table salt and salt and processed packaged foods is something we're trying to limit, we have to remember that in biblical times, salt was an overwhelmingly positive resource. The biblical scholar, Reverend Dr. Amy Allen, explains that not only did salt add flavor to food, as it still does, it preserves certain foods, such as meat or fish, from spoiling. 
And in the days before refrigerators, that was pretty important. It helped to purify or cleanse the meats through the removal of blood, which of course was forbidden to be consumed in the Torah. And it was useful for healing and cleansing certain ailments. All of these uses of salt were commonly known in first century Palestine. So when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, the audience knew exactly what Jesus was talking talking about, and it was so much more than just a convenient flavor additive. Simply put, salt was, she notes, a necessary element of life. And then there's light. Now, the positive effects of natural lighting on our physical and emotional health are very well known. The personal experiences that we've all had trying to navigate through dark woods at night or through a dark house when the electricity goes out, it's all shown us that even the very smallest of candles or the tiniest, tiniest flashlight can make an enormous difference in guiding our way. Now, for 2,000 years, preachers and scholars have spoken and preached eloquently about these words, about salt and light, and I have nothing new to add. But maybe we just need to keep hearing Jesus say it again and again. We need to be reminded that Jesus says salt and light are who we are. They're not something that we have to earn or something we have to learn to be. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world, that through us, God is healing others, preserving others, adding flavor to others, guiding others through their own darkness, just as God, through our neighbors, through our friends, through total strangers, are healing us and preserving us and adding flavor to our lives and guiding us through the dark times. About six years ago, I attended a candlelight vigil on the campus at Mississippi State University. It was a vigil showing support as a campus community for immigrants, for refugees, and particularly at that moment in time, for our Muslim colleagues, students, and friends from specifically in the Middle Eastern nations. A father stood there with a little boy in his arms. The son looked to me like maybe three years old, and that little three-year-old boy had a a small, little, battery-lit tea candle light. Not a real flame, of course, but a little tiny orange light bulb. And the boy waved it around and was watching it glow in the darkness. And, And then he noticed that if he began to zoom in closer and then pull back out, from the, from the back of the person in front of us, the light would get bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller. And then he started doing it to the back of the person's head. And then he started shaking around and making it light and make dancing uh, maneuvers all over the guy in front of him, and just moving back and forth. Now, I have no idea who was speaking at the moment. And I have long forgotten it, and I did not even hear at that point what important words, and I'm sure they were important, were being said, because I was so taken in by the joy of this little boy and his tiny shining light as he was making designs dance on the back of the person in front of him. I started to laugh out loud, and the boy noticed me and smiled and laughed with me. And for a moment, as we, a grown man and a little boy, two strangers, as our eyes met, we shared a small, gentle, 
pure smile, a little giggle. And for just that moment, in a very dark time in our country's history, all was well with us in the world. God's love filled our little part of the universe. And I realized that little boy was salt and light for me. You are salt of the earth. We're not the dominant course, my friends. We're just adding a little preservative in there. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. And as Chuckles the Clown would say, a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down your pants. Salt, light, laughter, and hope. Thanks be to God. Amen to that, Bert. Except the clown part, but you know, the rest of it was pretty good. I and I, I love I love what you said about the things Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say you're becoming the salt, you're becoming light, but but you are. And I, I love how you lifted that out that we have within us already right now the the ability and capability to make someone's day to share love to share light to enrich the 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 lives and beings of of all those around us the and it strikes me the other thing Jesus didn't say is you're salt for the church you're light for the church but instead for the world to too many of us and i think many churches are coming to realize this too many of us turn on our light when we get to church and then turn it off when we go out into the world the the hypocrisy the the stark difference between the the way we talk to others at church and then turn around and speak so ugly to the server at the restaurant that that dichotomy between the way we act at church and the way we act other times than sunday mornings as is is so stark and i i think many churches are beginning to ask themselves how that has played into the state the church finds itself in today. I'm getting a little off subject, but but Christ called us to be salt and light for the world. That's sort of a in all times, in all places kind of thing. And I appreciate that you lifted out. We we have the ability to do that. It's not something that we have to become or earn or learn. We have it. So I, I appreciate that, Bert. I'll just I'll just add that when you were talking, I heard all of my friends who work in the service industry, especially at restaurants, or whoever have worked at restaurants, yelled out in unison, "Amen!" When you said that about Sunday afternoon church crowds, yeah, I've <laughs> I've, the, I've the, we we're the worst. <laughs> I worked as a server uh, when my wife was in graduate school, and yes, the the Sunday lunch crowd was the worst in terms of behavior and in terms of tipping just off nobody wanted to work i mean the 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 managers that was the hardest shift to cover because folks were just so hateful you know this is so interesting to me um, it makes me very sad when i think about how sunday lunch crowd is the worst like it's just it's sad it's such a sad commentary but then I think about 
So like this salt and light thing, we're being salt and light to the world. And it seems like we dichotomize how we don't do that. Either we're kind of of the uh, the ilk of we go into church and we turn on our salt and light there and then we turn it off when we leave or on the other end of it there are people who simply do not believe that they have salt and light to share hmm. with the world and and i think that oftentimes in our church culture um, particularly for women, but I don't think it's only for women. Um, we have learned that any time that we let ourselves shine into the world, that it's not humble. It's not, it's mm. not what good Christians do. But the reality is part of shining our light in this world is shining what makes us beautiful and passionate and good and whole and talented. And I mean, even in our, you know, um, productive, what makes us capable of doing things and learning to shine that out into the world, I think is something that this text speaks directly to Jesus isn't telling us how to get our light and our salt, but Jesus is telling you, like Bert said, it's already there. Yeah. It is there within you. It is there inside of you. And it's simply learning to unleash it so that it blesses the world. And I think that that move from humble, quiet, Christian to one who lets their light fully shine in this world is one of the biggest things that we have to learn to do as Christians. Um, it Maybe I would say one of the more challenging things that we have to learn how to do as Christians, um, to let that all that God put within us, um, to trust it and to shine it out into the world. I really appreciate your saying that, Nikki, because that's when I try to conceptualize salt and light, I think of people who who do that. I think of, well, you know, persons like Clarence Jordan at Koinonia Farms, mm -hmm. Will Campbell, uh, other folks yeah. that, that we've talked about here. And, and the danger there is to somehow make them more saintly than anybody else when, if, if I hear what you're saying, that they were just brave enough to release what was already within them, that salt and light. They had it and they were, they were willing to show it. And so when we tell those stories, we, we should do so not in an effort to say, rise to the level of people like this, but instead, if they were brave enough to let their light shine, maybe you can too. I wonder if there's a way to to bring it down for all of us. And what does that mean? What did they do? What does salt and light do? What what does salt do? What does light do? It's an effect on something else, mm -hmm. right? So it's not like we're trying to make something happen as much as we are affirming, preserving, celebrating, illuminating what is happening in someone else's life, what they are doing. Trying to, it's it's no secret. Somebody said something the other day about I, you know, I post pictures of 
of me with drag queens. Uh, we've we've gotten to be our church has gotten to be friends with with several drag queens in the area over the last few years, and um, one of the things that still people still come up to me and just say, "I can't believe <laughs> there's there's two ways of doing this." I get. I can't believe you meet at a bar once a month and have drag brunch that follows. And then I get, I can't believe a church like you is actually mm-hmm. coming to a bar and enjoying drag brunch with us. And and I think it's not anything that we set out to do as much as it, we just love these people. And, and we had gotten to know several of them in different settings and they're performing we wanted to go have lunch with our friends and celebrate with our friends as they as they shine. And, and to me, that salt and light is just preserving something, adding flavor to something and saying, you're, you're valid. The show, I'm not the show. We're not the show. Jesus says we're not the main course, right? It's what we're doing for others. And how are we illuminating others how are we preserving and adding flavor or help bringing out flavor from others uh who've had their flavor you know scrushed down and said they didn't have any you know bert i i love that you use the example about going to the bar and the drag shows because and i love the responses that you said that you get you know like the i can't believe or the i can't believe but if anybody knows Bert, of course Bert goes to the bar and the drag shows to shine his light and his salt to the world. And I think. Well, I was going to say, but it's not a conscious thing. I'm going here to shine my light. No, I know. Right. I know. No. What it is, is you're just being Bert. And I think that part of learning to shine our light and to give our salt to the world is learning what that looks like uniquely for us. All four of us on here, we have a lot in common, but we are four very different human beings when you dig down deep. Um, And one of the reasons that we love each other so much is because we all bring something to the table. We all bring something unique and wonderful to this space. Um, and, and I think that whoever it is that we're talking about, that we kind of uplift or we use their quotes, that we do that because they have figured out how to shine their unique light in this world. Um, so nobody's light is going to look the same. Some of us are going to have little candles and some of us are going to have blow torches and some of us are going to, you know, have a mag light. Like it's, it's all going to look a little different, but every light helps push back the darkness. So sometimes on the weekends, I will do a batch cook, right? So I'll, I'll cook a bunch of things and then have them all through the week. So we don't have to spend time, you know, on the work days trying to put something together. Plus it's just kind of fun. And, you know, so I might on one day cook both a fish and a chicken. I might do burgers and might also do some pork chops. And, you know, pretty much everything benefits from some salt and pepper, right? <laughs> but so if I if I salt and pepper the fish, it doesn't make it taste like the chicken. And if I salt and pepper mm. the chicken, it doesn't taste like a hamburger. Salt brings out the flavor that's 
already there. It, it heightens it and makes it uh, more prominent. It's the same thing with light, right? Light doesn't make things appear in front of us. Right. But it illuminates what's already there. Yes. It allows us to see it more clearly and better. Yes. So I, I couldn't help but think about, in my own life, some people who have been salt and light to me. I remember in high school. So I was a very shy, introverted person in high school, but I loved art. And I ended up being the first person in my high school to do four years of art in a row. And part of that was I had a crush on my art teacher. But aside from that, <laughs> aside from that, um, she was just so encouraging. And I remember in my yearbook, and she probably wrote this in everyone's yearbook, but it meant a lot to me. She, she wrote in there, she said, please check back with me in a few years. I want to see if I was right. Yeah. And, you know, that I don't, you know, again, she probably wrote that in a lot of folks' books, but it meant something to me because we had a relationship. I respected her and it meant something that she thought that of me. She saw something there. She put a light on it that helped me to see that maybe there was potential that I didn't understand in myself because I was shy and withdrawn and blah, blah, blah. So it really was a helpful, I, I mean, I remember it to this day <laughs> uh, very clearly. And then I also remember like in seminary that I thought I was going to be done when I was wrapping up my Master of Divinity. I was like, you know, I, I'll, I'll move on to what's next. And one of my professors started pulling me aside and saying, you know, I see something here. Did you realize you're pretty insightful in this area? Did you realize that this paper was pretty good? Did you Have you thought about maybe going on to doctor work? And I'm like, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> and I wonder sometimes, seriously, would I have taken some of the steps in my life I've taken? Not that my life has been perfect, but for those, those areas that I feel like have been good for me, would I have taken those steps if somebody hadn't been there to throw some salt on it? or to throw some light on it and to say, do you see this? Do you taste this? Do you notice this? Maybe you ought to do something about it. Maybe you ought to let this be more a part of who you are. And so I guess I wonder if that's part of what we are called to be in this passage, that salt and light to others, that we literally are paying attention to those people around us and throwing salt on them. Say, do you taste that? Look at, I taste it. <laughs> do you, do you see that? Can I interrupt just for a second? Yeah, because please. that's a power. We haven't talked about this this use of salt. Yeah. It melts ice. Oh. Right? Mm. Yeah. And so a lot of people have had yeah. been frozen, been told yeah. you can't do this, you can't do that. Throw some salt down and let it melt. Let you get your foot setting. Mm. I love that imagery of what people have done for you, David. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I think everybody can do that, right? We can yeah. all sit there and start thinking of people that have done that for us. Yeah. And the question is, I think for all of us and our dear listeners, are are we doing that for others and helping them to discover what God has placed there and celebrate it and encourage it forward? And that's not for us to decide. That is correct. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, you know, I'm being this, I'm being that. It's the, that old thing about, are you a Christian? And the guy says, you'll have to ask my neighbor, right? <laughs> yes. Are yes. you being salt and light? You'll have to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
this is I love this this uh this passage. I, I think it is it's such a helpful word in terms of the answering those questions, how do we live? <laughs> but it also gives us some really concrete advice about we talk about being the hands and feet of God. We can be. We can make a real difference in these simple, encouraging ways of paying attention and encouraging each other. I hope you will find someone to pay attention to in the coming days. Throw a little salt in and light their way. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible Study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.